0: Well, um, I hope you guys are having a wonderful time tonight. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Jerris Beckett. I am the youth pastor here at House Youth. And like Megan said earlier, our goal here at House Youth is simply this, to create a place where you would feel at home and you would uh, find your identity in Jesus. And that's what I hope we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at God's Word and how it applies to us. So if you've got your Bibles tonight, I want you to go ahead and open it up. If you've got your phone, open up the Bible up. If you don't have either, go back and grab a Bible off that table because We came ready to help you out, and if you don't have any of those, man, don't you worry for just a second, because we're going to put it on the screen for you to see. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, starting verses 45 to 47, 45 to 47, oh my goodness. Uh, Megan, do you think you'd help me out and give me some water? My voice is going out on me. Thank you. 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 47, and this is what I need you to do. I need you to go ahead and look at your neighbor, okay? Look at your neighbor, and I make, make that a little bit awkward eye contact with your neighbor. Take your pointer finger, and I want you to point at your neighbor, and I want you to say, neighbor? Oh, come on. I don't think they heard you. Say, neighbor? It's Bible time. It's Bible time. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. This is what it says. David replied to the Philistine You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and will make the birds and the the, the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord has rescued his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. Come on, let's pray before we go to faith. Would you bow your heads real quick? Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And we thank you, God. I ask that as we look at your word tonight, God, that you would make it very real to us, God, and that we would learn something and leave this place a little bit differently than the way we walked in tonight. God, I ask that you would would teach us something, teach us what what you're wanting to show us through through what's happening here in 1 Samuel. And God, on top of that, I just got to ask right now, would you please, would you please help the Chicago Bulls destroy the Boston Celtics as we speak? And everybody said, amen. Amen. Do I have any Bulls fans in the room? Anybody? Okay. We got a couple. Okay. Since it's Chicago, he's going to go with that. That's fine with me. Well, uh, speaking of of basketball, um, do I have, overall, do I have any sports fans in the room? Any sports fans in the room? All right. Now, how many of you would say you have a favorite sport either to watch or to play? Okay. Now, what is that favorite sport? Talk to me. Talk to me. Swimming. Soccer. Soccer. Baseball. Baseball. Volleyball. Volleyball. Wow. All right, all right, all right, let's take it further. Let's take it further. What is your favorite sports team? Go. The Bears. the Bears. Okay. All right. Where's the Cubs fans? Where's Cubs fans? Okay. Stay strong. Stay proud. Now, I have to say, if I had to choose, I would say basketball is my favorite sport. Okay. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like. I'm not prejudiced against other sports but I like basketball the best, okay? And so I've been watching the NBA playoffs a lot right now. They just got started, and come on, Megan. Give it up for Megan real quick. Come on. God bless you and your descendants for for this. Thank you very much. So I I love sports. I love basketball. Um, I would say this. I would say that I am a Bulls fan, and I've never lived close to the Bulls, so now that I live here, I'm definitely a Bulls fan. I'm very excited about that. But one of my, some of my favorite things about basketball is uh, I, love, I love the playoffs because everybody's playing good right now. Uh, when it's the playoffs, everybody gets a haircut, so everybody looks very good and nice and cleanly <laughs> for, the, for the playoffs. But on top of that, I feel like the thing that happens the most during the playoffs is smack talk. Now, how many of you guys in this room are familiar with smack talk? Okay. I, am, I would have to say this. I am definitely a fan of smack talk, but check this out. I am horrible at it, okay? I love smack talk. I love to talk smack with people, but I'm horrible at it. I'm just absolutely terrible. Like, I, I remember trying so many times. Um, I, 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 okay, how many of you, just to give me a little bit of confidence, how many would you you would say that there's times that somebody says something to you and you don't come up with a comeback until hours later. Is there anybody else in this room that that happens to? Okay, okay. so we're all kind of a little bit on the same page. That's how I feel like it happens every time I try and smack talk. I would say something to somebody, they would respond, and then all of a sudden, I got nothing. So I, I remember growing up, and I remember playing sports with people, and people would be like, hey, how about them apples? And I'm like, I love apples, man. And like, <laughs> like I think about it later, I'm like, why did I say that? It, was, it wasn't clever at all. And then I, I remember that there was times that my friends were just like, They would say things. I'm like, how did you come up with that in the moment? And then I would just be like, hey, man, you missed. And I'm like, why is that all that I could think of? And then there's other times I feel like that I would start a sentence and then have no idea where I'm going at the end of it. So I'd be like, man, your socks. Actually, no, your socks are pretty cool. I'm I'm really sorry that I even brought them up. Like, I don't know why, but I feel like I really want to smack talk, but I'm really bad at it. I'm like really, really bad at it. And so the story actually that we're looking at today, the story from the Bible that we're going to pick out and and see what what it's saying to us, has this awesome, incredible smack talk uh, going back and forth from David and Goliath. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard of David and Goliath? Just by show of hands. Okay, very cool. So one of my all-time favorite Bible stories. Now, what we're talking about is this guy, David. Look at your neighbor say, "David." David. David. Now, David, the passage that we just read a minute ago, David lays out the most filthy, savage, like, smack talk I have ever heard in the Bible. Like, it is ridiculous what he says to Goliath, and it was, it was well-deserved, and it was well-planned. I don't know how he came up with it on the spot, but when I read it, when I hear the story, it gets me so excited. It gets me so hyped because it's like this moment, this moment in history and in time where, like, David stands for God and just, like, blows up. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible, but you have to understand what is going on in the story, Okay. So in the story, there is two countries, okay? And what they're doing is they're at war, and when they come to war, there's basically like this. There's two mountains. There's a mountain right here. There's a valley in the middle, and there's a mountain right here, okay? Now, the Philistines, everybody say, boo, boo. Boo. All right, Philistines are over on this side of the mountain, okay? And then over on this side of the mountain, you have the Israelites. Everybody say, yeah. Yeah. All right, so here we go. One more time. Philistines, boo. 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 Israelites, Yeah. yeah. All right, good, very good. Now, they're right here in this pass, and there's one up on one side, one on the other, and what happens is the Philistines send out their champion, okay? Now, this champion, his name is Goliath, and he's over nine feet tall. No joke. Like, this is, like, I know I hear that, and sometimes I just glaze over it, but that is very real. Like, he was legitimately nine feet tall, okay? And on top of that, Goliath was literally, like, raised from the time he was born. He was, like, raised to be a human weapon. Like, I like to think about Goliath, like, What if Goliath was, like, this this mix between, like, Bruce Lee, Rocky Balboa, and Shaq, all mixed into, like, one person? Like, Like, what if? Like, that would be one crazy super person. And so I don't know if that's what he looked like. I have no idea. But they say the guy was huge and absolutely terrifying, okay? So they send Goliath out, and he stands, like, right at the bottom of the valley, at the bottom of the hill, and the other people are on the other side. And by doing that, what they're saying is this. They're saying... We want to fight your champion versus our champion, winner takes all. Like imagine this, okay? Imagine if you showed up to a sporting event, okay? Imagine if you showed up to a sporting event and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know what? We could play this game. We could play five-on-five basketball tonight. But actually what we're going to do is you're going to pick your best player and we're going to pick our best player and we're going to go one-on-one. like, And that's going to decide the, what's going on. That's going to decide the game. So like if tonight, if, if the Bulls are playing And the Celtics are playing, like, they pull Jimmy Butler and they pull Isaiah Thomas. Like, all right, one-on-one, we're going to play this. Whoever wins takes the series. Like, imagine if that happened. It'd be crazy. You would show up to the game and you'd be like, what the heck? I came to see everybody play. And so that's basically what happened. Like, we're going to do this old-fashioned way one-on-one. Now, the thing about it is, for the Israelites, they didn't have anybody like Goliath. They didn't have anybody that was that big, that was that strong, that was that good at fighting. So it's like this really terrifying thing. Why would you send somebody out that's just going to lose and lose the whole thing for everybody? So basically, that's where they're at. And then the other character we have in this story is David. Everybody say David. David. Now, the thing about David is David is not like Goliath. He's, he's very different. David is actually like a high schooler who's living out with his dad still, and he's, he's a shepherd for his dad. Now, what I mean by shepherd is David literally sat out in a field and hung out with sheep all day long. That was his job. And now all his brothers were older than him, and they were actually fighting in the war. So they were all there. They're all there with Goliath just standing out there with this mongo big guy, you know, saying that he's going to fight all these people, okay? Now, what happens is that David, his dad, sends him to, to the battle. He says, David, I want you to go send some food to your brothers and just check on them. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're not doing anything dumb. Like, so he sends David to the fight. When David's walking up to the fight, he hears something. He hears Goliath standing there, just like we talked about, just standing right here at the bottom of that valley, saying things, saying ridiculous, crazy things. He's going, you know what, all of you are wimps. He's saying, I'm the greatest fighter you have ever seen, and I dare one of you to come fight me. He's like, he is getting so crazy, yelling at them, insulting them, saying that they all stink, and saying that that nobody can fight. Even if God were to help them, they would still lose. Insulting them, defying Israel. And David, David gets sick of it. He hears it like one time, he's walking up with his bread and his cheese, and he's like, what is going on? He hears this guy, and it it ticks him off, okay? So David walks up, he hears this, he's like, you know, somebody needs to do something about this. Somebody, this is not acceptable. And so when he's talking about it, people are like, people start to hear that David is talking about this, and they're like, oh, okay. Okay, so that guy's little. He's little, and he's not a fighter. I don't, I don't think that he is our best bet to go out there. But what happens is, in the end, David says, you know what? He's like, coach, I'm confident. Put me in one-on-one. I'm going to beat him. We're going home. Like, like, he was, like, excited, and, like, we're doing this. He was so pumped. We're going to go do this. And he's like, nobody talks about my God like that. That's how David walked in there. So what happens is David grabs some stones and a slingshot. Somebody say, what? He grabs a stone, a couple of stones and a slingshot and he walks out to this battle. Now the thing about this is, is when I think about the story and I think about who Goliath was, he was this human weapon, giant human weapon out here ready to fight anybody. And David walks out with no armor and just a slingshot. Now when I hear that, it makes me think why would David not at least, you know, put on a bulletproof vest or something just to be prepared. Why wouldn't he like grab a sword just in case? Why wouldn't he even just do anything to be prepared? Put on a helmet for goodness sake. But David walks out with just the slingshot and some stones. And when he walks out there like that, Goliath legitimately laughs at him. He laughs at him. Now at this point, Goliath had been standing out there for 40 days. For 40 days Goliath would come there and he would yell insult, Say nobody could fight me. Nobody could help. Him. Nobody could save you. Not even God could save you right now. Would yell and insult them for, for 40 days and the thing about it is is David still walked up with just a sling and some stones and said you know what let's do this and I'll tell you why and if you're taking notes I want you to write this down. If, you, if you're not taking notes Get out your phone, write this down, open up a text message to somebody that's not here and text it to them because this is good stuff. David knew something that a lot of times we forget. David knew that giants in our lives were meant to fall. Giants in our lives were meant to fall. You know, for for this, this situation, this giant had been standing in the spotlight of these people, standing in their vision, standing in their way of what God was doing for way too long. And David was fed up about it. He said, "You know what? No longer is this guy going to stand here, insult us and challenge us and say nobody could fight him. I'm done with this." He knew. He knew for a fact that that giant wasn't supposed to stay there. That, that giant wasn't going to win and that giant was supposed to fall. Now, after 40 days, he walks out and he laughs at David for walking up to him. And when I think about that, I think a lot of us know what that feels like, to be honest. I think a lot of us know what it's like to have somebody hurling insults at you day after day. And when I think about it, like it's one thing to read it and talk about it as a Bible story, but to think about it like this, what if somebody walked up to you every day at school and just hurled insults at you, hurled insults at you every single day saying you're nothing, you're a failure. But the thing is, is I think that some of us do experience that in our lives. Whether or not that's from family members, from friends, from people at school, we experience people that are speaking death over our lives, saying, you know what, you don't stand a chance, we, we experience people that are speaking that kind of life over us, and I'm telling you, that, that junk makes you insecure, that junk will mess you up, because somebody is sitting there and speaking that over your life, and then there's other times, I think that there's some of us in this room that have battled depression, and it's this giant looming over you every single day, it's like, when I think about this, imagine like, it's something that you cannot beat, something that you can never stop, and It could start as just like one day of like a giant in your life and you're like, you know what, that was just a bad day. And sometimes those things grow and all of a sudden things grow into this giant that's just looming over our life. Some of you have struggles in your life. Whether or not that means that's a struggle with sin, that means that like you you try hard but you can't stop cussing. You try not to but you end up looking at things that you know you shouldn't be looking at on the internet. That means that, that you're in a relationship and things that you're doing in your relationship, you know are wrong. And the thing is, is you've tried to stop, but you have a giant hanging over you saying, you know what? You'll never make it out. You're going to struggle with this forever. And the thing is, as those giants just hurl insults at us. Hurl insults at us every day saying, you know what? You're not good enough. You're never going to make it. And this is what happens for David. It's a very, very real. David walks up and he says this, and this is... First Samuel 17, and this is 46 and 47. He says this, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Some of you tonight, I believe that that's a word for your life. I believe that some of you have struggles, you have giants in your life. Whether that that means your family, whether that means at school, whether that means your insecurities, your fear. I believe that there's giants in our lives. And some of you, you simply need to look at your your giant. Look at the thing that that is hanging heavy on you and to simply say, today the Lord will conquer you. Man, David walked in with boldness. Why? Because he knew that giants in our lives were meant to fall. They weren't supposed to stay there. They weren't supposed to hold you back and leave you stuck where you are. Sometimes even just like decision-making. Whenever you have to make decisions in your life and choose what you're gonna do and make the tough decisions, those giants hang over you and you've got to realize that giant wasn't meant to stay there. Giants in our lives were meant to fall. So David walks up. He takes his sling with the rock. He throws it at the guy. Remember, this guy's got bat- this battle armor on. He's, he's super legit. He throws a stone at him, and it hits him right in the head. Now, check this out. David was probably a good shot. Don't get me wrong. But the thing about it is, is that there's no way a slingshot should have killed this champion. But what happens is David throws a stone at the guy and knocks him straight to the ground. David runs over, takes the guy's sword, and kills him. Now, let me tell you about this. David didn't just win this battle because he was good. David didn't win this battle even because he he was bold in this moment. David won this battle simply because of God. Let me read that one more time, what David says. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. In this moment, Israel was done for. They they, they were contemplating their surrender at any point. And David says, you know what? The whole world is going to know that God is real And they got changed our lives because of this moment. And I think a lot of times in our lives, that's what we need. A lot of times we have something that like, it's like, you know, we're we're pretty much ready to just give in. We're pretty much ready to just not fight it anymore. Not, Not worry about this giant that's over our life and just deal with it. But the thing is, is that's not how it was meant to be. That's not how it was meant to be at all. In fact, the Lord wants to show off in your life. I really believe that. I really, be, really believe that some of you, there's people at school, there's people in your families that, that, don't, that don't follow God, that have no relationship with God, that don't attend church, that you really know that they, they don't see it this way. But the reality is, is that if you believe this and if you know that giants in your life were meant to fall, those around you are going to see what God is doing in your life. The giants of insecurity, those of you that struggle very deeply with insecurity with the way you see yourself and the way that you're worried about others seeing you, that giant was meant to fall. You were meant to walk in confidence. The giant in your life that, that says, you know, that, that you are supposed to be depressed and you're never going to get out of, out of depression, that giant was meant to fall. The giant in your life that says, you know what, you're going to be sitting like this forever. You're never going to stop looking at pornography. That giant was meant to fall. But the thing about it is, is that so many times we'd rather stay in the shadow of that because we're too scared to go fight. We're too scared to be ready. And God says, you know what? I'm going to conquer this giant in your life. Because the giants in our life were meant to fall. Now, here's the deal. In my life, I've had my fair share of giants that have been over me. I've had my fair share of giants that I've been up against. But one of the biggest things that I can remember is when I, is when I was in eighth grade. When I was in eighth grade, I moved schools. And moving schools in middle school is never fun. Like, I feel like that had to be, like, the worst time ever to move. And I remember moving schools and being so insecure because everybody was different. Everybody, it, it wasn't the same. All my friends were gone and it was just different. And I remember trying to make friends and I remember like feeling like I needed different clothes because of this new school. I remember feeling like I needed different shoes. I remember even just feeling like I needed to have a girlfriend because that's what everybody did. And what happened in my life is that I really began to have insecurity in my life because I was trying to please other people. I was more focused on, on what other people thought of me than who I even was. I remember, like, if I did not make a, an all-district basketball team, I was destroyed because that, that was how I, I, I knew that I was good. That's how I knew that I was cool. I, I, if, I, if I didn't get a compliment on what I was wearing that day, I was like, man, what's the deal? If I didn't get likes on pictures, it actually seriously messed with me. Why? Because I was insecure. And because even though I acted like I was together, there was this giant over my life of insecurity and i i I think that the i did not realize who i was in god i didn't like we say here at house youth we're here to help you be at home and find your identity in jesus it's something that i never knew until after this it's something that i never understood i i never understood my identity in jesus until i had a moment where i said you know what this giant is no longer going to stand over me, but God, I ask you to help me. God, I ask you to make this giant in my life fall. Worship team, if you could come on up. I, I believe that there's a lot of you in this room that uh, you've resonated with something that I said tonight. That, there, that you know of the giants that are in your life. You know of the giant struggles you have. You know of the giant issues. Because here's the deal. Sometimes there's just things that you can't control that are giants over your life. Sometimes the situation that you've been put in, the family, your family has become a giant in your life. And it weighs on you and it beats you up. And it's like there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm telling you this, sometimes there's situations that, that feel like we would never, ever get out of, we would never stand a chance against. But I honestly believe with all my heart that when we pray and we say God I need your help God I need you I need you to remove this giant that's in my life that God doesn't just hear that he doesn't just hear that and say you know what like good luck keep trying you're gonna make it someday because the reality of it is this is that we don't stand a chance on our own we don't stand a chance against sin we don't stand a chance against depression we don't stand a chance against pain we ask and we say God I need your help it's amazing the things that he does it's amazing the the way that we see God absolutely change our lives and knock down giants that have been standing over us insulting us for so long I'm gonna ask uh, my leaders if if my leaders could go ahead and come up and stand actually right up here in the front here's what we're gonna do for this next little bit the worship team is gonna begin to lead us in a song And I'm going to ask, would everybody stand up in the room? Would you just stand up for me? I believe, I honestly believe with all my heart that God wants to change your life and God wants to do something, knock down giants that have been standing over you for way too long. But the thing about it is, is that you really, you really truly have got to stop fighting this battle on your own and respond and say, God, I need your help. God, I absolutely need your help. So what's going to happen is this, is the worship team is going to begin to to sing a song. And I'm going to challenge you with this. Step out of your seat and come to somebody and let them pray for you. Because here's the deal. Stepping out of your seat and asking for, for prayer doesn't make you weak, doesn't make you a bad Christian, and doesn't mean that you're messed up. Stepping out of your seat and saying, you know what, I need prayer, I need God to do something in my life, that's where you find strength. If you walk around every single day saying, you know what, I'm good. I'm not going to act like that actually bothers me because I don't want people to know that. The reality is, is that it eats you up and beats you up every single day, but the moment that you say, God, I need your help, I'm not good enough on my own is the moment that you begin to thrive and the moment that you begin to discover your identity in Jesus. I think about it like a gas tank. You would never drive your car around if your gas tank was on empty for some reason that's what we do we, we we live our life on this empty mode just barely making it by when God says I want to fill you up and I want to get you through this so here's what's going to happen the worship team is going to begin to lead us in song and I want to challenge you worship with them worship sing raise your hands in worship and step out of your seat find and find a leader down here in the front and let them pray with you come on let's do this